ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. Are you struggling personally or professionally because of the coronavirus shutdown? Ready to grow your business and serve more customers and clients? Finally, there's a trustworthy website with resources, relief options, grants, support, and much more for small businesses, nonprofits, and individuals. One location with all the information. It's time to get back to work, life, and reopen America. Visit ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com today. The ultimate resource platform to help you in every way. This is Everything Home, the transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness delivered by good people doing good business and good things. Let's take the word freedom. Wouldn't it be great to have more professional freedom, personal freedom, and how about financial freedom? Every week, Michelle Swinnick, the queen of quality content, interviews experts, entrepreneurs, professionals, and purpose-driven people to share their stories, their passions, and provide real-life, tangible takeaways. Get ready to be entertained, yet learn some incredible information. This is Everything Home, and this is Michelle Swinnick. This is a special episode of Everything Home and something I'm very passionate about. Small business, our country, helping people, financial freedom, and creating success. It's what our show and entire platform is based on. Today's topic, it's time to flatten the fear and reopen America with the Job Creators Network. I couldn't ask for a more perfect guest than Elaine Parker, the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation and chief communications officer of the Job Creators Network. She executes the foundation's principal aims of public policy education and strategic media outreach. Elaine speaks frequently to business organizations and small business owners to identify solutions to the issues and develop strategies to address them. So I'm sure you can imagine how extremely busy she's been over the past couple months. Job Creators Network is a nonpartisan organization founded by entrepreneurs like the very infamous Home Depot co-founder Bertie Marcus, who believe that many government policies are getting in the way of the economic freedom that helped make this country prosperous. First, my joke, then on with the show. My interviewer told me my wage would increase to $2,500 per month after six months. I told him I'd start then. <laughs> I thought that was appropriate for today's conversation. Obviously, Elaine didn't think it was funny. She didn't even laugh, and that's all right. <laughs> okay. My jokes are corny, but at least it kind of sets a little precedent about the show. Also, to see if people are paying attention. Before we discuss flattening the fear with Elaine Parker, the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation, I wanted to tell you about our new website, ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. Their campaign and message was partially responsible for the inspiration for me to create this ultimate resource platform to help get everyone back to work, life, and reopen America. It has resources, relief options, grants, and support for small businesses, nonprofits, and individuals. Every single person can benefit from something on this website. There's PPP lenders who actually approve loans, and there's $100 billion left to give out. So apply immediately. There's job listings, online tools, products, services, offers, information, facts, data. I'm going to say that again, facts and data, which is key to reopening America. Expert advice, business organizations, 
networking groups, virtual concerts and events, and so much more. Now there's one trustworthy location with all the information. ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. Please check it out. Tell your friends so more people, more small businesses and nonprofits can be helped and we can get this amazing country back on track. ReopenAmericaResourceCenter.com. It's also part of our website, EverythingHomeTalkShow.com. So let's get into today's topic. It's time to flatten the fear and reopen America with the Job Creators Network. My special guest, Elaine Parker, the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation and chief communications officer of the Job Creators Network. How are you today, Miss Elaine? I'm doing great, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a perfect conversation to have. A huge thank you, not only for you coming on the show, but for what you've done for the PPP program and your efforts to not only create it, but to make amendments, which are now going to save thousands, maybe tens of thousands, if not millions of businesses based on the adjustments that were done. So you want to comment on that and share any of that information so businesses now can be maybe a little bit more enthusiastic about applying since there's $100 billion left. And now they might be able to get the cash infusion that they can survive while we're still in this mess. Yeah. So it's been a pretty amazing couple of months. First of all, Job Creators Network is a nonpartisan organization. And then we were founded by Bernie Marcus, as you mentioned, who co-founded the Home Depot. And the purpose of Job Creators Network is to really advocate for small businesses across the country for, you know, pro-business growth policies, pro-growth policies like lower taxes and less regulations, greater access to capital. And we also provide educational materials to our members that they can actually share with their employees so we can create a better educated electorate. There's nothing more credible than when your boss tries to explain to you, you know, how profits are made in their business and help you understand so you have a vested interest in the business. So we kind of consider ourselves the voice of Main Street small businesses. There's 30 million small business owners in the country and they employ about 60 million people. So you're talking about 90 million people dependent on the success of small business. And that's before we even start counting any of their dependents. So when we saw the country really starting to fall under this pandemic in a big way and people, the fear was growing at such a a rapid rate and, you know, the government was literally considering a national shutdown. It was happening state by state or city by city and then state by state. And then the government obviously was working towards that. I mean, there was no fault here. It wasn't, we weren't reliving 2008 where a bunch of companies made some bad decisions that hurt Main Street. This was a black swan event. This was a virus, a once in a generation thing that came and forced the government to shut down businesses, private businesses. I mean, just never seen that ever. And so what we did was we immediately mobilized all of our members and started reaching out to them and small businesses in general across the country through advertising and and trying to get input from our small business owners. What's happening in your state? What do you need? What kind of support do you need? Because we knew that there was going to be support coming. So we were working with Secretary Mnuchin and Senator Rubio and others in the development of the CARES Act to specifically target small business. And that's what we wanted to do is make sure that small business wasn't left out and we didn't see some massive bailout with big corporations. So we provided a lot of input from from them. We provided a lot of input also about how to get the money quickly. Michelle, you're a small business owner yourself, obviously, doing what you do. If you've ever dealt with the SBA on any level, the slow bureaucratic wheels of the SBA 
we knew that we're not going to be fast enough. And so we were advocating strongly that they utilize local banks to get the money out the door as fast as possible. And that was super important because they were able to get a tremendous amount of money out the door. They basically went out in the first 14 days of the program, more money than they had lent out in 14 years. So there's a lot of money getting out the door. It obviously had to be replenished a second time, but it was a lifeline for small business. You know, it provided eight weeks of pay for their employees. It kept employees on the payroll. It allowed for some money to put towards rent and overhead. And it was a lifeline so that we could provide a bridge that hopefully as we got through this crisis, we didn't know how long it would be, they could get a bridge back to prosperity. It was a great starting point, and it was definitely what needed to be done for small businesses. There was certainly some bad press around businesses that people felt were were larger and shouldn't be benefiting from it. There are some companies that took PPPs out. They they were publicly, you know, outed, and some of them gave it back. But the reality is, they didn't do anything illegal. And from my perspective, I just wanted to see jobs saved. And so when they replenished the PPP the second time, at this point, as of last Friday, 50 million jobs have been saved as a result. I mean, think about that. 50 million jobs have been saved as a result of the PPP. And they've had to make some fixes to it along the way. No doubt. You can't move at this kind of lightning speed with trillions of dollars coming out the door without having some unintended consequences. But I will tell you that the administration, Secretary Mnuchin, they have been as engaged as you can imagine about what the needs of small business and their employees are and absolutely open to specific examples that we've literally brought to them and said, our member in the restaurant business, he took out the PPP and he's in Miami and he took out the PPP literally the first week. Well, that was in April. So guess what? He's at his eight weeks right now. We only just got to being open at a hundred percent capacity in the state of Florida. So it doesn't mean he has a hundred percent of his customers back. Mm -hmm. How do you bring back all of your employees. That was an issue across the board in many industries is how can you be expected to bring your employees back at 100% when your state's not open at 100% or your city's not open at 100%. And so on June 3rd, the president just signed into law the Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act, which extended that eight-week period for forgiveness on that loan to 24 weeks which is great because it offers the opportunity for people to take that whole 24 weeks, whether they started, got their loan April 3rd, or they get their loan today. They've got 24 weeks to get their businesses back up and running and get their employees back at 100% before they have to apply for loan forgiveness. And they also changed the balance of how you spent that money. Initially, it was 75% to payroll, 25% you could use for rents and overhead. And now they've changed that balance a little bit. It's a 60-40 split, which is helpful for those who are dealing with high rent because, you know, if if you can't pay your rent, you're not going to have a business to bring your employees back to. So that's been helpful. And then they extended the entire program to the end of the year. So I was actually really happy to see them come together, Congress come together in a bipartisan way and pass a single standing bill. There weren't, there was no other you know, pork in there. There was nothing else. It was just about fixing the PPP. So I commend Congress and the administration for getting that done fast and doing right by small business. And the 
most positive aspect of everything you just said is really the flexibility that they're using common sense and they're getting feedback from organizations like you are getting directly from members, from small business owners in totally different types of industries and businesses all over the country. Because obviously we know one of the major issues is each state is having all kinds of different restrictions and capacity issues and timeframes. So it's going to matter on where what where you live and where your business is and whether almost or not you're going to be able to get out of this, regardless if you have an amazing business. And I don't want people to think that, well, you know what, according to the thing I read and the criteria for this, I don't necessarily know that I'm going to be able to pay it back or if I'm not going to be able to get it forgiven, just apply. I mean, I'm sure that's the same thing that you're telling your members too, and figure it out later, because if you can get the money and save jobs and save your business, and then all of a sudden, once you start looking at the numbers, so technically now it's a loan as opposed to a forgiveness, but you survive and you can come out, they'll probably make some adjustments because if you're doing what it was intended and you are off by 10 or 20%, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal if you just saved a couple jobs. So I don't want people to think, well, this is what I heard on the media or the news. No, just go apply. So do you agree with that theory of just do it and then worry about the, the consequences later? I mean, not like you're doing anything fraudulent, but I'm saying if you're worried about analyzing your criteria on your own, don't spend the time. Spend the time filling out the application. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at the application and I've gone through it with some of my members and it's a very simple application. It's really, you are, you're pledging to the fact that you have uncertainty because of the COVID virus and your, and your business has been affected financially. And so it, it, you're, you're self-certifying that these are the facts, that this is true. And the reality is every single business across this country has uncertainty as a result of the COVID virus some worse than others. And the reality is two of five small businesses may go under and never open up again. So I would rather make sure that everybody who thinks they should apply does apply than have somebody not apply who was eligible and needed the funds. And, you know, they can, they can work on the forgiveness piece of it, which is, doesn't seem to be that complicated as well. I've looked at that application as well. So they've done a great job at trying to simplify something, which is not something our government is all that good at doing. I would say <laughs> they, they get props on this one. Yeah, fast and flexible. So I was impressed with the timeframes, and especially if it's coming from somebody like you, who you keep an eye on these guys to make sure they're doing what they're doing, you got to believe it and give them the credit. So you've helped put this together. You've helped make the adjustments. So now... You know, it's got kind of a base and a foundation and a well, a tourniquet on a, on a bullet wound, right? So now the new campaign, which is Flatten the Fear and flattenthefear.com. People should go check that out. We've got to get the doors open. We've got to reopen America again. This economy needs to get back on track. People need to start living their lives. This is all that was just launched this past week. So let's go into detail about that because it is the most important probably campaign and concept and, and message that are going to hear and that they need to listen to. Yeah. So we're just talking about capacities and how business, some, you know, these, these individual municipalities and counties are setting the levels of how much they can be open. So Florida, I live in Florida. So Florida just hit last week that restaurants can open at a hundred percent capacity. Well, it doesn't mean that all of their customers are coming back in the numbers that they were there before. 
So now what do we have? So we have the stimulus. We've got all the stimulus checks that went out to Americans. We've got uh, additional money and unemployment. We've got the Paycheck Protection Program. We've got all kinds of stimulus going through the Fed. Awesome. That's great. And they moved quickly. And so all of those things are happening on that side of it. We have a demand issue now. And the demand issue is because people are afraid. They're afraid to come to their house. They're afraid to re-engage in society. And they need to understand and look at the data that it's time to come out. It's time to start living. So we launched Flatten the Fear campaign, and it's at flattenthefear.com because the time has come and we don't have any more time to waste. We have the highest unemployment rate since the Great Depression. You know, more than 42 million Americans are jobless, and that number grows every single week. So the purpose of the campaign is to reduce that fear through education by just giving simple facts and data about COVID-19. And we're doing that through the voices of physicians, physicians who are experts in the field and understand the data that's coming out and can understand how to explain to Americans that there are more consequences to consider by these extended shutdowns. Like in the last three months, countless of Americans have missed out on key preventative and routine treatments because hospitals have been largely closed. So when you look at that, I mean, that's devastating because you've got people who are probably walking around with cancer who don't know it. And then you look at the mental effects. So you've got to look at the holistic approach, the mental effects. We've seen an increase in anti-anxiety drug use. We've seen an increase in alcohol use, drug use. We've seen an increase in calls to the National Disaster Distress Helpline. In the end, What we know now about this virus is that we can isolate the few and protect the many instead of isolating the many to protect the few. Because if we don't, then sadly, we will have more victims of COVID who never have the virus. And that's exactly right. I mean, in the beginning, you know, we were listening to everybody. The information was changing. But now, as you mentioned, you have information, you have data, and you have facts. And people need to pay attention to that. And get this place reopened again. Go back to living life, being able to go to those checkups so you can find out if you've, I don't want to say got cancer, but you know, you have those preventative visits and, and even you can resume treatments. And, you know, the good thing when you were, we were talking off the air, I think one of the things that many people weren't aware of was when they were saying you had non-elective surgeries, all of those were not able to be done. And my definition of non-elective is something that is a luxury item. Like I was mentioning, you know, Botox. To me, that's an elective <laughs> or some sort of, you know, you're having surgery on your knee because you wanted the replacement just because it's been bothering you for all these years, but you still can walk around fine. Well, to be honest with you, I've seen a lot of shows, a lot of segments, a lot of different networks. Our conversation before the show, you were the first person to define what elective was. And that just means that it was scheduled. That's the first time I've heard it. And we've been in this thing for three months. So none of those people that were getting cancer treatments were getting their treatments. So as you mentioned, the consequences of not getting things reopened and going back to normal is well far beyond the amount of people that they supposedly have said have actually died from this. And it's really time to get the businesses back open. So having your campaign flatten the fear, which is flattenthefear.com, you're using the information and data from physicians who are actually in the field. And that's critical. It's not some guy who is a bureaucrat who's reading reports. 
these are real doctors who are in the rooms or in the, you know, you want to say front lines. Those are the ones you want to listen to. You want to go into detail about the doctors and how you chose the particular ones or something that is unique about that rather than, like you said, who wants to listen to a bureaucrat? I want to listen to a guy who's actually doing it. Absolutely. And when we look at the data, it is something that should put Americans' minds at ease now that we can look back three months and see what the real data shows. So in 50% of our counties across the country, there are zero COVID deaths, zero. 10% of the counties account for 90% of the COVID deaths. And that was at a surge and that was a big part of that had to do with the nursing home. So it's not the average person. It's not a majority of the people that need to be worried about, oh, I might get it now. And this is, this is what I want your listeners to walk away with, if nothing else in, in the time that we talk, is that if you, the facts are in, if you are an otherwise healthy individual, then it is safe for you to re-engage with society and begin living your life again. 80% of all the COVID deaths come from people who are 65 and older and have at least one morbidity, they call it, an underlying health issue. of all the deaths from COVID across the country are from people under the age of 55, 7%. And we shut down an entire society for that. Now, we didn't know in the beginning. I understand what we did and why we did it, but we need to expedite this opening and we need to help people understand the facts. And we've got a media out there that continues to stroke the fears of people by talking about cases and increases in cases. And I'll give you an example. Again, I'm in Florida and I continue to see Governor Ron DeSantis has been incredibly, incredibly aggressive, but very, very pragmatic in following the data. And he opened Florida. He was probably the second or third governor to open his state. And he did it in phases and he's done it in actually sections of the state have opened faster than others because in South Florida, we actually had some hot spots down there. But, you know, we have seen he's also increased testing incredibly. I mean, we're doing around 20,000 tests per day. Well, guess what happens when you test more? You find more positives. The reason why we've seen an uptick in our positives is because we're doing so many tests. So the proportion of those testing has actually fallen in the state of Florida. The number of hospitalizations in our state is falling. They have dropped to about 10% over the past two weeks. And what you really need to look at is the death. The daily Florida death continue to fall, dropping from 51 per day to 34 per day over the last month. And that's according to the seven-day moving average, which they say is the most accurate to look at. So we're doing great as a country. We just need to all get on the same page. Every state, every governor, every elected official should get behind flattening the fear and helping their residents feel safe if they're otherwise healthy. So if somebody's listening to this show and they are on the same page and they're spreading the information to their networks and their friends and their family or their employees and and things like that, the problem is the governor's and the capacity and the restrictions. So let's just say a majority of the people say, you know what, I just watched a week and a half of millions of people gathering in the streets, no regard for social distancing whatsoever, all over the country and the world, but I can't go to church 
or I can't go to a restaurant because there's four people in a 400 seating venue. So as far as what are the next steps there? Do we just have to, are we sheep, but do we wait? Is there something that can be done once everyone has the same idea? Not everyone, but a majority, let's just say they're ready to go back, but there's limitations because of the state. So what, what do we do is, what do we do as people like Americans and business owners when our hands are tied? Well, I think I mentioned to you over Memorial weekend, I, I was one of those really dumb people who were at the beach, social distancing, enjoying the sun and having a good time. And I will tell you that people were very respectful of social distancing at the beach. There weren't a lot of people wearing masks because it's hot in Florida and nobody wants to be outside wearing a mask. But that's where we should be. We should be outside enjoying the weather and we should be, you know, enjoying ourselves at the beach. I mean, that why not? Fresh air, right? I truly believe that there are areas of the country, geographic region, regions that are ready and willing to hear this message. They want to hear this message and they want the justification to go outside, but they're not getting it from their media. It's despicable how the media skews these facts. And that's why flatten the fear is so important because it's going to give those people who are receptive to the message, the permission and the justification to go out and start living their lives again, as long as, you know, they follow the CDC guidelines and they're otherwise healthy individuals and not in those high-risk categories. Again, if you're somebody who is older or you've got an underlying health condition, then you are in a population that needs to still stay sheltered and needs to take additional precautions. But I'm talking about the vast majority of Americans who can get back out and start living so that we can get people back to work because the stresses of not being able to feed your family and pay your rent and buy your children clothes and get them back in school. I mean, we've got to get our kids back in school in the fall. For sure, we've got to get kids back engaged in that. I mean, it, it is horrible to have all these kids home where you've got parents who are trying to work from home as well. You know, not every parent can knows how to or unfortunately, even wants to homeschool their children. And so sometimes the, be the only place that kids are getting what they need in the form of even meals and the schooling they need is at school. So to take them out of their environment sometimes take, takes away normality that they, they don't get. Yeah, and that's a lot of people don't see that as, as part of the bigger picture, where not only are they losing time when it comes to where they should be as far as education and advancement, there's a lot of things going on in that house that they're not getting or a lot of things that they shouldn't be exposed to that they normally get a relief from when they when they leave. And those statistics, you know, they're just that information is just starting to come out. I think within a couple of months, once you really see the numbers and people start giving the history of what happened, I mean, we're going to look back and go, I can't believe we let this go for so long. You know, look at the, the damage, the long term damage that was caused. And that's why I'm I'm so happy that you guys put together this flatten the fear campaign to get people the right information, the information and the data that they need to feel more comfortable so we can reopen up America. And it's time, it's time to get everybody back to where we used to be. And it's safe. There's, there's no reason. And you got to use common sense. That's all. All you're asking people to use is common sense and it'll be okay. So you guys have a petition on the website. Is that something that you want to actively promote that if there's enough signatures, something can be done so we can open it up from a business side and through, you know, maybe working with the governor, somebody see like, hey, look at all these signatures. That's what we need to do. We need capacity because you said there's a demand issue. Well, we need 
you need capacity to have the demand. And if the people want it, we just want to make sure that something can be done. So petition, is that what we're doing? Yeah. So if you go to flattenfear.com, there's a tab at the top that says sign the petition. And basically, if you sign that petition, we're asking you to also leave a comment for us. Let us know if you're a doctor or a small business owner or just a proud American. Let us know how the pandemic has hurt your family or your business or your friends and share your story because we can share those stories on our website as well. But obviously having millions of signatures will be pretty impressive to any governor across the country as well as the president. And hopefully that will make enough of a difference to get these restrictions loosened up so people can go back to where they need to be. So as far as right now, the focus is flatten the fear campaign. What else are you guys looking forward to or on the next phase of where the business is going? And are they looking into looking at another round of relief options? I mean, are you playing any active role in that so that at least the small businesses know that there's going to be something else coming or any strategies that are in place for the next couple of months as we navigate through yet more uncharted waters. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to put it. So last Friday, we had the May jobs numbers come out. And to everyone's surprise, forecasters were expecting 7.5 million job losses in May. And instead, 2.5 million jobs were added. So that was pretty shocking. It was also is the greatest number of jobs added in a single month ever recorded, 2.5 million jobs. And we, we absolutely believe that the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program, did its job. 73% of small businesses are now open, up from the low of just 52% before April. And, you know, look, we, it's not lost on us. You know, the jobs numbers were, were good. They were better than expected. It's reflecting the parts of the economy and the states that are that are opening. But we still have the highest unemployment rate since the Great Depression. So unfortunately, right now, we have a low bar. So any recovery looks huge. But, you know, on, on the bad news side of it, the, the U6 number, which if, if you're not familiar with what that is, but that reflects people who are unemployed and underemployed. So part-time people who really need full-time work is still at 21%. So we're still in Great Depression level unemployment levels. And while we are thrilled with what it, what last Friday could mean futuristically, there's still 85% of the people who lost their jobs in this crisis, this black swan event, if you will, they're still out of work. And small businesses are still struggling. As much as a third of them may be forced to close their doors for good, But we do believe that this strong jobs report suggests that another massive federal stimulus of trillions and trillions of taxpayer dollars may not be necessary. We do think there are some specific steps that the government could take, the federal government could take to really help small businesses. And what we're getting behind is a payroll tax holiday for small businesses under 100 employees for both the small business owner and the employees. So what that is, is an automatic raise for employees. Yay! The, the automatic raise because they they automatically get the you know fifteen percent comes out of every check. Half is paid by the employer and half is paid by the employee. So right away the employee is going to get that raise of that seven and a half percent. The employer is going to get to keep an additional seven and a half percent. And if we do it targeted and temporary to the end of the year, and then we target it to just a hundred employees or less, that will cover about ninety eight percent of all small businesses in this country. 
So a huge swath of the population, a huge swath of employees will go right to middle America. So we're, we're 100% behind that. We'd like to see the administration move forward on that. We've got to get, obviously, bipartisan support in Congress for that. And the other thing that absolutely has to be addressed is liability protections when it comes to COVID. We're already seeing the trial lawyers circle, seeing the commercials from the trial lawyers, you know, to file lawsuits. And it, the scary thing is, is, you know, you're seeing the lawsuits against the larger companies like McDonald's already has a lawsuit. The reality is businesses want to protect their employees and their customers. They, they can't take a lawsuit from somebody because they get sick and get the virus at work or when an employee, when a customer comes into a store, they can't be held accountable for that. And so we need a very targeted liability protection. We're not looking for blanket liability protection, but if we have a small business owner who's taken all the precautions and followed the CDC guidelines and the industry guidelines set out and somebody, an employee or a customer still gets sick, they should not be held liable for that. So is that in the works with the powers that be that could make that is some sort of legislation, or at least it's conversation in the right direction? It is conversation, and the president has talked about it. Senator Mitch McConnell has talked about it. The majority leader has talked about it, and those in in the House side have talked about it. We just need to get some bipartisan support. And and like I said, I mean, the the pushback is nobody wants to see some blanket liability protection of of any, any liability for small businesses at all. But when it comes to this, Small business owners, if they follow those guidelines and they're doing everything in their power to keep the people who come in their store and work for them safe, they should not be held liable because somebody still gets the virus. It just shouldn't yeah. be that way. Because one lawsuit, not even getting it settled to say, okay, now here is the, the amount that you need to pay, just the legal fees alone. You can't even get to the point where you might have won. And that's a big problem. So you just go, you know what? I can't do this. It's not, I, don't, I can't open or I, I've just got to fold my cards early. And I mean, Bernie Marcus, one of the, the founders of your organization during a town hall, he said, that's going to be the biggest problem is the trial lawyers are already, so the vultures are circling. The liability coverage is going to be the biggest thing. And that's why you don't see the big sports venues, all the major leagues and the concerts. They can't, they can't afford one lawsuit. It could wipe them all out. So they can't have that many people there without some sort of protection, you know, in small business, even worse, because they don't have that kind of, they don't have the manpower for the lawyers and they don't have the money. You know, hopefully that's something that can be done much sooner. So then at least that is another layer of competence that can be instilled so that the the companies can back on track. But at this point, Right now, the number one goal, besides anybody who hasn't applied for the PPP program, and is listen to the facts, listen to the information. It's time to flatten that fear. So, is that the number one takeaway from from the show, Elaine? Is use common sense and don't be afraid of what you hear in the media. Look at what the real information is and go back to living your life and reopen America again. Absolutely, absolutely, flatten the fear. Did a great job flattening the curves, so now it's time to flatten the fear. And the petition is on flattenthefear.com. We're going to have it on all of our pages on our website, so people can click on that, which is everythinghometalkshow.com, and it'll be in the summary on the podcast. It'll be in all of our social media campaigns. We appreciate anybody sharing this information. Sign the petition, and 
mobilize. I mean, <laughs> if you can do it for all necessary, for any other reason, it's just to make everybody get their life back on track. Because as you mentioned, the health issues alone for not, for having things shut down is much more detrimental than in every type of uh, category than it is to continue to not necessarily just be out of work. So anything else you want to contribute, Elaine, because this is a, uh, this is a make or break point where we're really determining how things are going to end up and for the long term and the big picture in this country. I mean, I really think that that's where we are. And I'm glad we have organizations such as Job Creators Network and the Job Creators Network Foundation to represent small businesses and the American people to help save this country. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for having me. You know, final word, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic about the future. And the reason why is because just three short months ago, we had record jobs. We had seven and a half million unfilled jobs. So we had more jobs available than people to fill them. We had record unemployment in every demographic across, across the board. And I know that we can get back there because the fundamentals of those policies still exist. We just have to flatten the fear and get people back engaged with society so that we can get back. And I, I think we could, I think we could come get back to prosperity quicker than some people are saying, maybe not as quick as others, but I'm very optimistic. And you know what's going on in the big picture. You're on the ground and you are also dealing with the political side of things, administration and all those games that are being played. For you to have the confidence, that says a lot. There's hope out there, America. But as Elaine Parker, the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation and the chief communications officer of the Job Creators Network said, you got to flatten that fear. Thank you so much, Elaine, for coming on. And you guys are amazing, amazing work that you're doing. I think we've got a chance, like you said. Thanks, Michelle. Hey, you're welcome. Flattenthefear.com, everybody. It's time to go back to work, time to go back to life, and it's time to reopen America. To end the show, I would like to give a quote from Alfred Ortiz, the president and CEO of Job Creators Network. Together, we can rebuild America and get back to work. Together, using facts, data, and common sense, we can and must flatten the fear. Did you know 63% of consumers prefer to buy from purpose-driven brands and businesses that reflect their own values, beliefs, and support charitable causes? Promos for a Purpose provides business owners with ways to support worthy causes and promote their brands at the same time with its comprehensive done-for-you marketing and media program. Visit www.promosforapurpose.com for more information. Promosforapurpose.com You've been listening to Everything Home with Michelle Swinnick. Life laughter and the pursuit of happiness to meet learn from and hire the experts and the guests professionals and members of the everything home socially conscious referral network and marketplace visit everything home slash episodes and to listen subscribe rate review like follow comment and share go to www.everythinghometalkshow.com and find us on all the major listening platforms thanks for listening we hope you were entertained and we hope that you picked up some real life tangible takeaways from some good people doing good business and good things till next time this is everything home signing off <laughs> <laughs>